All right, let's kick things off. It is that time. It's 9 o'clock East, East Coast time. I'm going to bring that up for a very big reason. You'll find out in a few minutes here. Uh, hello. Welcome to USA Rugby Happy Hour Live. Thank you so much for joining in. Uh, we are here for the next hour to talk USA Rugby. Uh, we encourage you to come up and ask our guests and us. You, the listeners, do drive the show, so please come on up and get your questions ready. To get updates on future shows and news about USA Rugby, Major League Rugby, and more, follow Eagles Overseas and Rugby Morning here on Twitter and most other social media channels. Uh, tonight's show is brought to you by Myoderm, a leader in CBD products. Save 20% on your order with discount code EAGLES at myoderm.com. That's M-Y-A-D-E-R-M.com. Also, keep an eye out for some contests and giveaways in the very near future. Those choosing few or winners will receive a prize pack from our sponsor, Myoderm, valued at about 100 bucks. I'm really excited about that. Some really good stuff. Uh, I am Bill Baker of Eagles Overseas, host of Eagle-Eyed Rugby Podcast, and introduce himself is my partner in crime, John Fitzpatrick. Hey, Bill. Good evening, everyone. It's good to be back. Uh, I'm John from Rugby Morning. I essentially curate some of the top rugby news from around the world and serve it up in a daily um, email pretty much every day, Monday morning through Saturday morning. I do take one day off or Sunday. But, Bill, it's good to hear your voice, man. We haven't done this in a while. I know, man. We have. Uh, God, I've seen your face a couple of times on Zoom. That's about it. But uh, yeah, it's, it's going to have a guys. It's a great show we're going to have tonight. We got two really big guests tonight. Um, but we got to get into it really quick. But before that, let's just do a quick little news segment that we try to do before each show. Uh, John, go ahead and do your part. Yeah, we only have a minute here, so I'll announce a couple of things. MLR. If anyone's been following along on social, they probably saw some big names and trades over the last couple of days, but. The two that came down earlier today would be uh, Noah Gold. They re-signed hooker Pat O'Toole through the 2023 MLR season. And then, of course, Old Glory DC have re-signed number eight, Jamison Fahnana Schultz, to a one-year extension. So uh, exciting to see those players re-up for the MLR clubs for next season. And today, uh, the USA Women's uh, Eagles women announced the roster for next month's Rugby World Cup in New Zealand. Uh, not a ton of surprises, you know, captained by Exeter Chiefs Kate Zachary and 19 women who play in the Premier 15s are on this roster. Uh, and when I say not a lot of surprises, I do. Um, I see a couple names mi- missing. Alicia Washington, who recently signed with Sales Sharks Women and Lafberto Lightning's uh, Baloo Montetoga, I believe I said her name right, are both not on that list. Um, hopefully they're OK and hopefully we'll see them again soon. All right, let's move on. Let's get right to our first guest. Um, this This guy obviously is living up to his last name. He's calling in five hours in the future, uh, 2 a.m. Friday morning time. Uh, let's please welcome head coach USA Men's 7's Mike Friday. Good morning, Mike. Hi there. Um, hopefully you can hear me. I hope you're all well. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's early morning here, but nonetheless, not, not a problem. Um, it's as wet as ever. <laughs> Go to sleep and wake up in time for the show. Have you been uh, doing your coaching, have your coaching hat and been watching footage all night? No, 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 no. I, 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 funny enough, I've been working um, late into the, into the night on on some um, financial stuff as we, we kind of look forward to the last quarter of the season um, of the year and moving into next season. So there's lots lots to be done off the pitch um, in these kind of few weeks before we um, have to start back training in preparation for the first leg of the Olympic qualification season. Uh, so let's go right into it, Mike. Let's go back to last weekend, uh, Rugby World Cup results. Um, obviously not the results you were hoping for. Uh, we'll go into the whole tournament format and stuff in a bit, but losing to Samoa in the first round obviously wasn't the way you wanted to start. 
you know, what were the team's expectations going in? And, and talk about that dis- disappointment of dropping out of the middle round so early. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it, it, as we t- we'll probably talk about the format. The format is what it is. It's March Madness. Um, so, you know, Sims is all, always very tight and it comes down to small things and small moments. Um, unfortunately, due to the draw, we picked up Samoa in the opening round, who, if, if, we're, if we're truly honest, for the last half of the, the World Series this last year, they've been a top four team. Yeah. Um, and, and they've been fantastic and performing very well. So we always knew that we were very much up against it, considering where we are as a group. Um, and we were, you know, we are, we're very young. We are very inexperienced. We've lost a load of experience um, in LA and before losing Kayvon, Joe Schroeder and Falau Neuer, who were the majority of our experience in the squad currently. So we always knew it would be tough. And, you know, we were in that game. It was, it was 14 12 at half time and it, and it was, it was moving quite nicely. And, you know, sadly, it just illustrates how quickly sevens can run away from you if you make a couple of mistakes, a couple of errors, and then the opposition, you know, come up with a couple of little innovative plays, a couple of chips and chases that, that Samoa did. And before you knew it, we were out of the game. So the reality is we made too many mistakes as, as a team at important times. We lost, we lost momentums and, uh, and we were out of the, out the tournament. So it was disappointing, but... Sadly, but interesting enough, valuable lessons for the young boys um, as we as we build towards the start of the Olympic qualification season. But yeah, we were hugely disappointed. Um, but you have to see it for what it is. It was it was one game of rugby. And and you're looking at um, you know teams like South Africa who looked unstoppable you know early on at least during the uh, HSBC season. You know Fiji as usual is so difficult to face. You know, I know we don't know the secret behind defeating teams like that, but do you ever say, hey, listen, um, you know, do what they're doing? <laughs> you know, jokingly, obviously. <laughs> you know? I'm not sure that's possible to do what Fiji do because only Fiji, only Fiji can do what Fiji do. <laughs> um, and I think that's the reality. So you don't want to be somebody else. You've got to be us and, and our identity and our DNA. And, 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 you know, we are a physical team. We are a powerful team. Um, and we are a fast team, but we have to be accurate. You know, the way that we play with ball in hand, our, our pass and catch, our, our restarts, both sides of the ball have to be where they need to be. And, and, and those little decisions that you make on and off the ball are critical. Um, you know, Fiji are brought up playing the game, you know, was when, when they're kind of two, three, when they're running around, they're, they're, mm-hmm. that's the first thing they do. And they, they have a rugby instinct, naturally from playing the game from a very young age. And that's what you see with the rugby mature nations. Whereas ourselves in, in America, you know, we have many other sports that take priority and they're different types of sports to, to rugby, which is a real open decision-making game where you right. have to have a multitude of skills and understanding and appreciation. So it's very hard to play rugby and pick up rugby unless you are introduced to it and play it through the high school years um, because that sets your foundation and allows you to, 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 to understand space and appreciate the decisions that happen during the game and our, a lot of our boys pick it up later on than that and have to play catch up which is tough which means we have to rely on our physical athletic ability of which we have a lot but there's rugby EQ, which sadly is learned 
and takes right. time. And you, you can't always rush Mother Nature when it comes to learning the game. So that often means a lot of harsh lessons. And we certainly had a few of them um, last weekend. Coach, this is John. You, you talked a little bit about some of the challenges there. And you know, we, we saw a lot of fresh faces, right, for the squad this year, gaining valuable experience. And, you know, if you look back at the 2018 Rugby World Cup squad, I was in attendance there. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, in the crowd, but you guys you had guys like Thomasine and Baker um, and Maka who who were there. But talk about the difficulties of losing the likes of players like Danny Barrett and Madison Hughes and Carl and Isles, and then you know having to find the replacements during COVID. You know, talk to us a little bit about that, about the, the, the difficulties of trying to find some of those replacements um, over the last you know year and a half. Yeah, it's it's tough because you know we lost eighty percent, and you know the reality is with Maka. I mean, we haven't had, we haven't had Maka on a sevens pitch for nearly two years, so yeah. you know he he was for want of a word fresh face kind of back to sevens. So he was still trying to bring the the rugby EQ of sevens he has from the from the back of his head to the front, and you know whilst that that, that would happen, it was still early on in that transition process. But I think the reality, you know, you touch upon a lot of a lot of things there, where as a squad. We were very mature and, and experienced in 2018. And, and if, in, that, in that World Cup, we lost to a clutch moment against England, which yeah. is just, just life. But, um, you know, the, the problems we had is the Olympics probably came a year too late for that group because they were cooking on, on gas just as COVID was mm-hmm. um, kicking off in 2020. So that, that was one point. But the reality is what that two years also meant was that our development pathway was turned off, like literally turned off, which meant that actually being able to bring boys through, not necessarily to make the squad, but to train with the likes of Danny Barrett, Madison Hughes, Ben Pinkelman, Carlin Isles, and, you know, 80% Martin Yusefos and and guys like this made it impossible because we couldn't even bring the next group in to learn from the existing group because COVID wouldn't allow us. So, by the time we got to Tokyo and, and at the start of this year, those boys had probably, unfortunately, just were the wrong side by six months of, of where they probably wanted to be and everything had gone on and how we'd coped with it. And probably just as important, there was no continuity in play because the guys that were going to be taken over hadn't been exposed and been learning and playing and training with with that group. So they have to get their battle scars on the World Series. And that's what we've seen this last year um, with a lot of the guys that are coming through whilst we try and identify the next lot, which has started in earnest probably six, eight months ago and, and accumulated in us being able to put out the under-23s team at Rugby Town, which which looks great, but they're all juniors um, and far younger men who are probably going to come through post-Paris in time for LA 2028. But, you know, that, those two years hurt us with the existing group, but more importantly, it did hurt us in terms of continuity and identifying and nurturing and developing those that will come and are now playing on the World Series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you mentioned earlier a little bit talking about you know the the DNA of a team and each team kind of has its own identity and you know over the course of the last year or so things changed right. Looking ahead to the next um, series which starts up in gosh November and then looking towards the Olympics, 
what's kind of the DNA or the identity that you want to try and forge with this current crop of, of, of players right now? I, I think the reality is when you look at the current crop, they've got real potential to, to maintain what we're renowned for, which is our physicality and our speed. And, 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 and we are a powerful group. So when you look at some of the names and individuals in it, they're, they're just young or they're young to the game and they're still learning it. So you look at a young David Steele, who's been playing the game 18 months, hugely powerful, massively athletic, but he doesn't know what he doesn't know. So, you know, there's, there's, a, there's an interesting individual that you can put on the edge, much like we did with Danny Barrett, and he will cause havoc. But Danny Barrett's rugby EQ was through the roof. Um, you look at the way that Lucas LeCamp has exploded on the scheme, onto, the, onto the scene. He's just 21 years old. Yeah, he's, he's causing mayhem. But does Lucas LeCamp have to make mistakes in order to get better? Yes, he does. Do those mistakes potentially hurt us? Probably. At various times, it could be the difference between us winning the game or losing the game. So we've got, you know, guys like that will we'll, we'll continue to maintain and drive our DNA um, and what we're all about and how we play the game, which is a possession-based game where we look after possession and we control possession and then we work with the opposition to create opportunities. You know, we've got young Alan Cummings coming through who's exploded through from, the, from us finding him on the, on the national circuit with Chicago. Um, and he's becoming a real physical specimen in, the, in and around the breakdown, very much like a, a Garrett Bender of 2016 um, who's able to, co- to cause havoc as well, you see. So, our halfbacks are, are very young still. Neymar, Tala, Cody. They they haven't had a lot of game time on the World Series, although they've been around us um, a long time. But being a playmaker takes time. It's not an easy position to pick up and run with. I mean, Falau Nua has been around since time began and has been a fabulous steward for the for the for the USA rugby team and and a, and a fabulous ambassador. But you know, Falau didn't necessarily make his debut for, for the 17s. He was 25-26. And these guys have been with us since they were 18-19 and are learning their trade and moving forward. So patience is everything with, with the group. I just think that, you know, sometimes we forget how young they are and how inexperienced. But, you know, rightly so, we expect them to be as good as the 2021 group and they expect us to stay top four in the world or, or, or better um, when mm. it's a lot to live up to. And, and they are doing well. We just need to be a little bit patient with them. We made seven of the nine quarterfinals in the last World Series with this inexperienced group. But we didn't win it many of those quarterfinals because we're an inexperienced group. Uh, and the World Cup and the brutality of that format showed how inexperienced can get found out. And that, that, that is a big part of it. Uh, so, Mike, let's go stateside for a minute um, or for a couple minutes here. Uh, PR7s, you know, it's been a, a great addition to the, the rugby circuit uh, here in the States. You know, you seem to be pretty encouraging of the competition. Uh, how helpful has that been with you as far as, like, uh, scouting players, let's say? Yeah, honestly, it's been, it's been brilliant. It's been great. I think it's a fantastic thing from, a, from the domestic perspective in terms of bringing the game um, to, into into in and around the USA and it also allows us to to, to develop players and and identify and, and get an opportunity to, to scout players. So the last couple of years we 
we encouraged a number of our players to play if it worked in their programme, in terms of their playing programme and, and ensure that, that it's in line, which doesn't affect them with the World Series. And we've seen the likes of Neymar, Talapusi, Matala Talapusi, young Jerome Nale, that are young playmakers excel in that area. We've seen Aaron Curran's, Cummings excel in that area, as, w- as well as existing players who needed more game time and needed to, to play more and, get, and develop. Um, as well as allow us to to pick up and see players that want to force their way into the into the residency squad and, and mm-hmm. into the reckoning go against one another. Um, so it's been it's been a fantastic vehicle. Um, I mean, it's like all sevens; it's not perfect, it, but but ultimately we're playing the game. They're competing against one another, and we get to see them go against one another, which then allows us to to recognise and realise and and look at who we might bring in, and we'll bring those guys that we think could make the step up into camp, and we'll have a closer look at them. And, you know, we, we can see whether you can make that transition from domestic sevens, or let's just call it international invitation sevens, onto the World Series, because it is a big step. People don't really understand how big a step it is. It's very easy to excel on the domestic side, but but to take that big step to to, to to operate on the World Series is, is a big step in itself and not all players can do that. And some players level, they are exceptional at international invitation, but they do struggle when it goes to the World Series because it is so much quicker. So, mm. you know, it, it is a challenge, but it's a great stepping stone. It's a great piece that we need in the pathway and the talent ID and the development pathway um, for us to develop and identify future Sevens players. Right. All right. Let's go to our first listener. Uh, Mike, you might recognize this guy. He's a USA Rugby 7 super fan, uh, Ryan Kirby. Hey, Ryan, what's going on? Hey, guys. Well, I'm just sitting here in the parking lot getting ready to do a 12-hour shift tonight. Um, Coach Friday, I just want to say, first of all, um, absolutely proud of you guys, uh, especially during the uh, Rugby World Cup run. Um, I know it wasn't the result you guys wanted, but I'm still proud of you guys regardless. Um, and I'm looking forward to see what the future of the USA team holds. Um, that being said, I do have two small questions. The first one is, um, I know a lot of people have been asking about it. And I know the organization can kind of, you know, a lot of them have to, you know, keep kind of, you know, information under wraps. Um, Carlin Isles, I know that was one of the biggest ones that have been out this year. Um, I know he was taking some time away from rugby. Have you guys still been in contact with him and do you see him returning or do you think it's kind of, we might be moving on from him at, at this point? Okay. So Carlin, Carlin had to, had to take time away from rugby for, for family reasons, um, which we were fully supportive of and, you know, it's, it's what, what was right for him. So that's why Carlin hasn't been a part of the programme probably since February time, just after he lost um, his sister. Um, whether or not Carlin returns, I think we'll probably know in the, in, in the next week or so. And Carlin will either return to the programme and, and con- continue to compete or Carlin will not return to the programme. And perhaps that it's it's... Carlin's time with the Sevens and International Rugby Sevens has finished because he's got other things that are a priority in life. Um, 
So I'm not avoiding the question, far from it. I think probably I can't give you the answer because I'm waiting for Carlin to make his mind up whether or not he will be returning back to residency um, at the start of October or he will be stepping away from the game. And, and if he, I'll support him whatever way, whatever decision he makes. I mean, Carlin's been a fantastic ambassador for our programme um, and, you know, he's been a fabulous player in the Seventh Circuit. But like all things in life, rugby finally does catch up with you and he's got to make other decisions that have nothing to do with rugby but are the best thing for him and his family on whether or not Rugby Sevens can be a part of what he wants to do moving forward. So it, I think we'll know by October whether or not, by the fact whether or not Carlin is in consideration for Hong Kong or he's not, whether or not Carlin will be finishing or will be um, will be returning to, to compete for the Olympic qualification season. Now, uh, uh, Ryan had another question for you, but he had a run, so he DM me really yeah. quick. He was wondering, uh, as would you see the PR sevens eventually as that stepping stone to signing players to the international roster? Like, would that be maybe your priorities watching that tour? Um, it, it is one of them. I mean, I think the reality yeah. is we have signed players already off the back of watching them on the PR sevens, along with you know we're big we're big followers of the club nationals, and that's where we've identified a number of these guys that have come through. We're we, we very much watch the rugby town, you know, the, the, which is a, a very good event domestically as well. We watch that very closely and there are a lot mm-hmm. of good players that we, we get sight of there. Um, and obviously, as you know, we, we, we follow the college sevens um, and, and that pathway too. So we have scouts. We watch a lot of the games and a lot of the rugby at all of those events, as well as people... And, and our, our talent ID network um, that we that we utilise, which isn't perfect, far from perfect, because you know, as an English bloke, I fully appreciate how big the USA is and how difficult it is to to identify and find, you know, and, and, and cover every 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 state and every rugby event. But I think we do a reasonably good job of, of, with with the people that we have and that we rely on to to identify and and, and find the rugby talent um, and and try and find a way for them to find their way to us in one shape or form so we can see whether or not they do have what it takes to, to make the, the step onto the world circuit. All right, let's go to our next listener. It's our friends over at Tight Five Rugby. What's going on, man? Hello, everyone. Uh, thank you for having us. Um, I was just wondering a question from Mike um, about kind of uh, rugby sevens, greatest developments in the last few years in terms of tactical tactical developments, uh, if you could elaborate a little bit on what's going on in the, the tactical realm of, of sevens right now, thanks. I think, obviously, the, the, big, the big changes at the moment are, are the defensive shapes. So, historically, we've always been, in the, in the, in the old days, you were either a six-plus-one sweeper or you were a seven-up D. Now, what you're seeing is there are a lot of different nuance on the, on the defences in terms of you've got this, what we would call the scrape defence, which is what you're seeing with the likes of New Zealand. But basically, they're offering up with a seven-up, but it's a pendulum system with the, with the wingers tucking in, or the wingers, the outside players tucking in as a scrape to encourage teams to kick and then playing that kind of game of, 
of, of poker in terms of when and if you kick. So you're seeing a lot of a lot of a lot of innovation there, and also innovation around moving from a traditional six-one to a what you would call a shallow sweeper, who is kind of half in the line, half not, to create little traps and opportunities um, for defences to try and entice attacks into it. Now, what that means is obviously then if there's more in the front line, that means there's less space to attack. It does stifle what you would call the traditional speedsters on the outside as well. But it does then allow for space to be in behind. And what you've seen in terms of the innovation of attack, where I think South Africa have excelled, is the, is the kick-pass game. And, and the, the, the kick-pass game at the cross field, but also in behind. And that's, again created a number of players who have a, a real X-factor valuable skill set of being able to kick pass. I think Selwyn Davids is probably the master of it at the moment on the, on the world circuit. That being said, you've still got the enigma of, of, of Fiji and their, their traditional all-encompassing offloading game, but they're a, they're, everybody looks on in awe, but it's very hard to replicate because of, because of the nature of the way that the game is played on the island. So, Defensively, you've seen probably the biggest shift. Um, and attacking-wise, like I said, people are trying to adjust to, to try and break down those defences. But I think what you've also seen over the last couple of years is obviously, with again, the increased levels of fitness and the physicality that are happening, the contact area and the ability to recognise when to compete, when not. The ball, the ball presents as well as the, the clearing techniques make that area ridiculously physical and there's almost like a one-on-one combat um, which you know requires immense fitness repeatability on your strength and your ability to get back off the floor and back into the game. Thank you Mike just one more question question regarding that Um, you talked a lot about um, IQ and and talent ID so kind of what are the traits you think that are are most prominent nowadays uh, that you're looking for for these kind of developments that you've, you've uh, noticed? Yeah, Thank you very I, much. I think the biggest thing for the development pathway boys are is that they've got to, they've got to have an insane desire to, and that sounds a really kind of perverse thing to say, they've got to be prepared to hurt. They've got to have a desire, a desire and ability to, to, to enjoy the game and push themselves physically to the max. In terms of the, the, the rugby EQ, the ability to make good decisions around the breakdown, in terms of recognition of when there's an opportunity to jackal, and is it the ball you're focusing on, or is it the space to disrupt, or is this an opportunity where I need to just let them have the ball and wait and recognise where I need to be in the defensive line, be it your alignment, your width, your recognition in relation to, to the attack, and that appreciation and understanding... I think are the, the skill sets that, that you, you need to develop and nurture, partly through repetition, but partly through playing. And likewise, the same on attack. If you can't pass and catch efficiently and effectively over 10, 15 metres at speed, every time, all the time, you're going to get found out on the world circuit. So the core skills are a non-negotiable for any young player that, that aspires to, to become a, a, a sevens player on the international circuit. And then an appreciation and understanding of how to manage space and preserve space, both in attack and defence, which comes from playing the game. And then the third piece is a physical desire to be ridiculously fit and have that repeatability to get on and off the floor in combat or in contact. 
So your ability to have re repeated efforts is critical. All right, let's move on next. Another listener coming up. What's going on, Strobo? Well, thanks, Bill. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Hi, all good, thanks. Um, I guess um, I wouldn't call this a two-part question, it's, but it's basically two questions, but the second part might have an effect on the original answer so it can be circular. Um, so in the past, you've selected a lot of players, well, maybe not a lot of players, but proportionately to having 12 or 13 members of a squad um, out of the world-class athlete program, um, depending on how the cycle affected um, selection. Um, how do you think you could, I guess, better use that um, to, I guess, build a squad around? Because obviously, um, with the way things are, if a player is, especially as if they're an officer, they're making a lot more money um, than some others are due to the funding constraints that we have. Um, and obviously, um, West Point has a really great program. Um, so I guess how, how could you better use um, specifically the Army portion of the world-class athlete program? And then I have a question that touches on the Army side after you answer that. Um, I mean, I mean, obviously the w, WCAP program is a fantastic program. I mean, first and foremost, the athlete has to want to be in the Army. That's critical and they have to want to serve. Not all rugby players want to do that. So we, we have had instances where um, some, some rugby players have joined the army because they want to serve, but also because of the, the, the world-class athlete program. You know, we had three or four. Then we ha obviously we have picked up players through the West Point program. We currently got one in Jacob Lakina. Um, and, you know, we're, we're very fortunate to have him. Obviously, West Point have just won the, 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 the college um, championship. Um, and, and we've looked at a, a number of those. Some of them are quite young. I mean, I think there's, a, there's certainly one player currently at West Point that certainly interests us, uh, Luke Patterson. Um, so we, we do utilise it, but, but, but we do see it for what it is. I think the first thing for us is that, that if they're a good enough rugby player and they want to serve, or they're a good enough rugby player and they're at West Point, then that's the start point. What, what we don't do is, being candid, and, and I'm not sure, I don't think you mean this, we don't abuse the system and just chuck rugby players to, and tell them to join WCAT, uh, to join the army, to get on WCAT, to then move across to us and, and, and not actually want or have a, an ambition to, to serve in the first place. That's a good answer. I, I, I think the next part is, like, how do you think the Army could better support whether it's WCAP or the All-Army 7s program or now hopefully the All-Army 15s program is supposedly coming back because having played rugby while in the Army, I can tell you that there, there is no real pathway to play All-Army 7s. Most of those guys um, somehow came across Mark Drown, God bless him, or were all West Point guys. Now, I was a forward uh, on a 15s team and not a sevens player, but there, there is legitimately, unlike a lot of other sports in all army sports, um, there, there is no pathway to actually playing um, on the all army sevens program. And those who get picked up um, in some sense, either played at West Point or got extremely lucky. Yeah. Dude, I, I mean, I, I, it'd be interesting whether or not they, 
followed a model that they used with the British Army, which is they play like regiments cup, whereby they have enough rugby players within the, the, the system where they could have a an internal Army Sevens competition to allow them to then select and create and build an all-Army Sevens rather than it being done by word of mouth or recommendation. Um, you know, I would certainly advocate that. I mean, the, one of my biggest frustrations was when we had four or five of the Army boys in the, and I wanted them to play. They had to play only with the Army Sevens at Rugby Town. They weren't allowed to play with other teams, which I understood because if, if, if they worked for me in the Army, then I'd want them to play. But it didn't necessarily allow them to, de- to develop, to become what we probably needed them to be. So I don't think there's any real answer apart from the fact, do the Army want to utilise the Game of Sevens as, a, as a, some form of team building or team camaraderie amongst the regiments? Um, rather than what they do at the moment at Rugby Town, where they, they, you know, the, the, the different Army plays, the Navy plays, you know, plays the the the, the, the coastal guard. You know, in, in that sense, I, I think there's there's ways in which they could invoke internal competition, which will also promote camaraderie, healthy competition, which will build morale between regiments um, and as a, as an army as one, which could be a lot of fun, but also serve a purpose um, to create and identify. More potential athletes for WCAT, maybe. All right. So thanks, Aaron, for that question. All right, Mike, we've gone over your allotted time, your contracted time. Um, yeah, thank <laughs> you so much for getting on with us at your early hours of the morning. I really appreciate it. No problem, mate. It's lovely to speak to you guys. Yeah, and good luck heading into the HSBCs in November. Yes, thank you so much. Cheers, guys. All right, cheers. All right, everybody, that was Mike Friday for the last uh, 35 minutes. And again, we can't thank him enough because he stayed up to the wee hours in the morning for us to do this uh, and to talk rugby that we love doing. All right, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, we're here picking up again season three. We'll be back again next week. We'll let you know who our guests are as soon as possible. Thanks again. Have a great weekend.